Welcome to The 43%. I'm Claudia Reuter. This show forgets about the leaning in or leaning out debate and talks to successful women about their paths towards creating a life that includes both family and career. Our name is a nod to the fact that 43% of women leave the workforce when they have children. We all have our takes on why and what might be done to better support mothers who are grappling with work inside and outside of the home. In this show, though, we explore a wide range of experiences and ideas with a goal of simply shedding more light on what's possible. To our careers have these awesome, rich, full, you know, exciting, stretching careers that we wanted and be amazing, fully engaged, hands-on um, mothers and have all of that just kind of work together. That was today's guest, Leslie Ford. Leslie is currently the head of product management and strategy for HMH. She has held executive positions at a variety of companies throughout her career though, including Care.com, Communispace, Bosch and Loam, and many others. Candid about her lifelong desire to be in business, she shared her experiences navigating business development deals in China as a mom with her infant on board and offered her unique perspective on self-care and routine. Hey, Leslie, thanks so much for joining today. You're very welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm really excited to, to hear your story and, and get a better understanding of where you are today and, and how you got there. Do you mind by kicking off by introducing yourself and just sharing what, what your typical day and experience is like right now? Absolutely. I'm t- I don't know if there are typical days. <laughs> Um, it feels like most of the time the days are atypical, but I'm, you know, working in the product management, marketing strategy world um, for a line of educational products, and that consumes you know, a lot of my of my time and energy. And I also write and research about moms and self care and growth and stress. Um, I have two kids, a four-year-old and an eight-year-old. I have become very passionate in community service in the last, you know, six or seven years around marginalized, marginalized populations um, and children. So I also am very active in some community causes and organizations, you know, and, and they stretch across and around the edges and sometimes, you know, bleed together. <laughs> And it's it's a full full experience. Do you mind starting actually with your your volunteer work around those who, who you view as marginalized? I would we'd love to learn more about that. Absolutely. Well, you know, I realized one of the things that I missed the most when I started um, ha- when after my first child was born, and I became very internally focused. You know, I felt like I made my world smaller just to triage and manage the intensity of being a new mom, working in a very demanding full-time, you know, career. And I, by narrowing my focus on myself, my family, my work, that are shaping not just my experience, but the experience of our broader community and I realized that disconnection didn't feel good to me, even though it means my, my schedule has less space in it and I'm even busier <laughs> than I could be, that 
having a hand in changing things and shaping things that will improve like health, wellness, economic empowerment, you know, for people who don't necessarily get the chance out of the gate is really big to me. Um, So there's an organization downtown that I've been volunteering for for quite a few years, um, Career Collaborative, and they help people who are very low income or homeless get into a two-year jobs program. So they offer like practice interviews and coach people on how to present themselves for work. A lot of people in that program are new to the United States. English is not their first language. Um, You know, my parents are originally from another country, so I have a lot of heart for that. You know, Project 826 is helping children in, you know, all the way from, you know, kind of kindergarten all the way through high school bring writing into their lives and learn about writing and learn about publishing and express themselves and, and kind of find their voices by writing. And I've done a number of volunteer assignments with them, usually helping kids edit their college essays. So again, to that economic empowerment piece, helping kids who are not necessarily pipelined into uh, a world where they automatically go to college or automatically you know, feel empowered to claim the career and the life that they want, I have a chance to influence them and help them through my work, I guess, as a, as a writer and my experience as a writer, just help them express themselves and um, make sure that their voices are heard. So that's been huge. Um, we have a local kind of television station and technology, digital storytelling, I guess, platform Um, where I've been on the board for quite a few years. And we offer a lot of after-school programming for kids and a lot of programming for seniors and people who wouldn't normally, you know, think of themselves as being uh, capable of digital storytelling. So that's been really powerful and a great experience. Um, And then in our town, there's a broader initiative around equity and inclusion across all the schools in the district that I just recently signed up for what do you when you're helping with folks with things like that um and and i'm about to hit that stage with my kids in the next year or so i'm just curious what are some of the biggest challenges you see or biggest opportunities to help people as they're thinking through telling their story well you know it's a great question it i think it varies a little bit by person like what they need and typically what they need if in the case of the kids in writing college essays for 826 or taking on writing projects, they need to learn about clarity and how to emphasize the parts of the story that have the highest like relevance or impact um, and organization, you know, how to kind of break a bigger, you know, like a bigger message into meaningful chunks that people can absorb and can relate to. And also for that particular program, a lot of the kids are new to the U.S. You know, they're from um, other parts of the world and English is not their first language. So then you have a lot of just structural, you know, structural uh, things like grammar and presentation and how to phrase something in the right way. And it's, you know, I'm I'm a little more ad hoc with that program. You know, I've, ne- I've never thought about my volunteerism and it's like, and I've, decided that I have to make space for helping just improve 
these areas um, that I care about, even if I can't do it in as aggressive a way, if I've learned anything, um, you know, since having kids and kind of fitting my life together after that, you know, it's like having kids blows your life up. (laughs) And then, and then like you, you have all of this, like, you know, you have all the wreckage after that. And you have to kind of sift through it and say, okay, you know, I'm, I've taken on this role. I have these little people, you know, who rely on me and it's kind of core in a, in a lot of ways. Part of my doing that has been putting in these community uh, causes. And I do though constantly have to adjust and feel that part of what I'm doing more so than anything is recognizing that you can't just set it and forget it. You know, whatever system you come up with to deal with work and life and kids and, and community, as soon as you've set it up, something changes and you have to make tweaks. Yeah. So, and I've heard, I've talked to obviously a lot of women at this point and a lot of moms. And I think there is definitely a theme around self-care and finding time to do things that are meaningful outside of the the family ecosystem. And, you know, it's, it's personally for me, that's looked like taking courses and doing other things. Um, I find it so admirable that you're, you're spending so much of your time actually giving back and, and helping out in the, the larger community. Um, and that's really, it's actually very inspiring. And you're, you're an executive at a company, you're working on um, some, some projects. Do you mind sharing a little more about what that, that experience is like from a career perspective, like where you are right now in your career? I decided really early on what I wanted to do career-wise. And by early on, I mean like grade school and being kind of in, it, it actually well, it looks a little slightly different than it does now in that I kind of landed on international marketing. Stop. Wait, you, you were in grade school and you knew you were going to do it. But actually now I think of in hindsight, right, maybe it's not in part because my parents are, um, you know, they're from outside of the US and they came here for opportunity originally. They're, they're not here now. They're actually back uh, in Barbados, but they came here for opportunity and there was a certain imprint, right? The, the script that my parents gave me was, what are you going to do? What, what's your, what's going to be your role? Um, it did prompt me to think about where I wanted to spend my professional time and what interested me very early. And I did do a lot of international um, product marketing, strategy, business development, um, you know, strategic partnerships and alliances. And I actually find that work extraordinarily thrilling. Um, And it's certainly a component of what I do now is global. But when I was in a purely international role, Um, And I came back from maternity leave with my youngest, I learned because at first I I was so (laughs) I'll admit I was, I was pretty arrogant, right? Because I'm, I'm an optimist, I have a ton of energy, I've always had a lot of capacity. I'm not someone who typically needed a lot of sleep, right? So that's how I came into motherhood, and think and that was the lens that I used to figure out, or to decide what I thought I could handle. So coming back from maternity leave with my first, I was actually developing this fairly strategic business plan um, and series of partnerships and eventually kind of a joint venture style arrangement with a company in China. 
And I thought, oh, of course, nothing's going to change. <laughs> I can do this and I can bring my baby to China. Um, and I did. And, <laughs> and I did. And he's been, you know, he's been to China three times. And um, but it was not as easy, of course, as I thought it would be. Um, it was a real reality check to be like, you know, having my, you know, breast pump blow up because of the of the um, electricity difference between the United States and <laughs> and being overseas. And it's like, oh my gosh, my pump is blown up. What am I going to do? And you know, finding myself. Well, the power source to it blew up. Thankfully, not, I guess, not the pump itself, but the power source did. It kind of made a really awkward popping sound. And then there was this very, like, uncomfortable burning smell. So I was like, oh, this isn't good. This is bad. Um, and, and so, you know, finding yourself trying to, like, navigate in unfamiliar territory, unfamiliar stores, you don't have the, the language and you're trying to figure out how to replace a breast pump part. You know, it's like ridiculous things like that, um, <laughs> you know. That you can't even explain. And did your husband come with, go with you on the trip too? Or He did. He did. Um, and, you know, and that was interesting too. He is kind of nocturnal anyway. And when my son was like a baby, I guess the first trip he was probably like six months old, um, you know, we kind of thought, oh, well, you know, during the day, my, my husband could take care of the baby. And, you know, babies at that state are sleeping a lot. And he could kind of manage that and, you know, get his work. He's a, you know, he's a software engineer. So a lot of his work is just programming and, and putting things in. But, you know, interestingly, it was it was even harder than he thought. It was harder than I thought. Um, at that point, my son decided to refuse um, pumped milk and bottles. And <laughs> he just, Fantastic. He just, so exactly. Exactly. Because, you know, I needed that to happen because that, you know, just added extra drama to the whole experience. But, you know, it, I worked through it. We worked through it. But it was exhausting, right? There was a there was an emotional and a physical toll for a number of reasons, even though international work is extremely thrilling to me and I'm very good at it. Being in a largely international role that requires you know, huge amounts of long haul travel, that trade-off around being here and you know, now that my my oldest is school aged, you know, my daughter will soon be school aged, like, you know, that's just too big of a trade-off for me. And could, are you at the point where you could give someone advice on what to do if their breast pump explodes? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, you know, interestingly, there's kind of a universal adapter that, and you have to use a U.S. to um, whatever the foreign country is. So there's some standard. I had a whole kit because I was traveling internationally, internationally all the time. And that's ultimately what solved the problem. As Leslie and I discussed, traveling can be super stressful. Whether I'm rushing for a work trip or trying to wrangle my kids so we don't miss our flight, it's easy to feel overwhelmed in transit. That's why I'm always careful when I'm picking out what to wear for days when I'm on the go. 
I was so relieved once I discovered Beta Brand Dress Pant Yoga Pants. Not only are they extremely comfortable, but they're also work appropriate, which are perfect for days when I'm running to catch a meeting. They're made with wrinkle-resistant, four-way stretch Pawnee knit fabric, meant to last a super long time, and they have great pocket options to choose from, like a style with eight, yes, eight pockets, and a style with deep, invisible zipper hand pockets. I can manage to fit my boarding pass and phone in my pocket so I don't have to worry about my bag being accessible when I'm headed through security and trying to make sure my kids are keeping up. Beta Brand reminds women that they should never have to compromise when it comes to being comfortable and looking amazing. I love traveling in Beta Brand's dress pant yoga pants because it's one less thing I have to worry about. Visit betabrand.com slash 43% to get 20% off yours today. That's B-E-T-A-B-R-A-N-D.com slash 43-P-E-R-C-E-N-T to get 20% off your dress pant yoga pants today. back for a second to grade school because I'm actually really fascinated by the idea that you had this intention or, or idea of what you thought you wanted to do at a very young age. Like, do you remember, and I, it sounds like your parents, you know, were obviously highly influential, but do you remember what grade you were in when you started thinking, like, I'm trying to picture your little, little version of you thinking someday yes. I'm going to travel the world <laughs> and be in business. Exactly. It was, it was really early. I would say I finalized the decision by like fourth or fifth grade. Um, but I remember like, you know, sometimes I was playing Barbies with my friends and their Barbie doll was like, I'm going to take my baby to the park. And my Barbie doll was like, hey, I am running my, you know, multinational company and I'm going to get on my airplane and I'm going to go over here. Um, even I'd say through college, even by the time I, you know, was very into kind of into my career and at a senior level in my career. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm an older mom, you know, for lots of reasons that were unplanned, but you know, I thought it would be really easy. And again, back to, I never needed a lot of sleep. I always had a lot of capacity and energy, but it wasn't. And um, just recently, I ran into some women, friends at, you know, the playground where we always run into each other. <laughs> and now, now the weather's getting nicer. And we it just kind of came up in a conversation. And, you know, we all kind of aligned on somehow, even though we did all this research into the work that we wanted to do, and um, we all kind of chose our career path with some understanding and probably even with an understanding that we wanted to have children, like no one tells you it's going to be as hard as it actually is. Um, And one woman went so far as to say, I remember former graduates coming to my alma mater and talking to us, you know, who were older and talking about their careers. and, And many of them were also mothers. And she said, no one talked about this aspect of it. You know, we all kind of expected that we could go in to our careers, have these awesome, rich, full, you know, exciting, stretching careers that we wanted and be amazing, fully engaged, hands-on mothers and have all of that just kind of work together. As you well know, right? It's not that easy. I remember being like sitting on my couch and 
looking at my husband and going, no one, what? Like no one told us <laughs> that exactly. it was like this. Exactly. No one tells you. And it, it's, I think it's that like hidden part of, you know, motherhood and parenting, right? Like there, there's, and it's not like I would have chosen any differently. I wouldn't have, but I might have come into the experience I probably would have also given myself more space um, in my like life, in my schedule to just like ease into and recover from. Oh, yeah. I remember feeling like I had actually babysat for newborn babies before I had kids at different points in my... Well ahead of me. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> I didn't. I wasn't prepared for how physically difficult the whole thing was for... Like how much the baby was developing as much as I was healing. Um, and I, I wasn't prepared for that. I think I finally felt normal at three months. Like I was starting to feel like things were yeah. <laughs> getting back to where they were supposed to go. <laughs> yeah. I think it, for everything to fall back into place it, for me, it didn't take longer, but it, but that, that physical piece and frankly, the exhaustion I never had experienced as somebody who, you know, I've been really blessed to be healthy and physically healthy my entire life and energetic. So suddenly feeling like exhaustion in a way that affected my clarity my schedule, like what I was doing, like that was a really foreign feeling to me. And it took me a long time to kind of get my head around that and to figure out what to do about it. So, so you, you know, you've, you've obviously, you're deep in it right now with volunteerism and with, um, you know, your career in business development and product. Can, I know you, you started this other project focused on moms. Can you share a little bit about what that's like? That has been um, a passion project and it's mom's hierarchy of needs. I, I was having a kind of a casual conversation with a couple of um, people, male people. Uh, one was a dad, one was not. And it kind of, male people, it came around to, well, why are moms so stressed? And I said, well, you know, there's Maslow's hierarchy of needs and then there's mom's hierarchy of needs. And you know, and I kind of said it just tongue in cheek, but as soon as I said it, I just felt something like it felt meaningful. And I started immediately picturing like Maslow's, you know, actual hierarchy and visualizing a triangle. And I'm like, what would it look like for most moms? Um, I worked my way through high school um, and even part of college doing market research and I started my career as an analyst, and I later worked for a market research firm, which is why research is kind of at the heart of the site. But I just conducted a couple of surveys. I drew what I thought the hierarchy would look like, you know, using PowerPoint. And I got so many great responses from moms who were like, well, you know, children's activities like play dates should not, you know, they don't rank with doctor's appointments and, and you know, milestones. So, so I, you know, I was actually just at an event and someone was talking about Maslow's Law. Do you, can you just, for the benefit of anyone who might be listening to this, explain first what that is? Your foundational needs like food, shelter, safety have to be met. And then once you have your foundational needs met, you can advance to more aspirational goals. You can move to things that are more, I think, stretching and allowing you to kind of realize your, your full happiness and full potential. So if you take that construct and kind of apply it to mom life, 
then I was looking at, well, what are the things? And for us, it's not so much a hierarchy of needs, right? It, it's really a hierarchy of priorities. And I've, I was trying to figure out, well, how are the women doing this, right? I had all this energy and never needed a lot of sleep. And it was like draining me, wringing me dry on a daily basis. And I wanted to know, what are other women doing to make this work? Um, does everybody feel the way? Am I, am I, you know, am I the only person who feels this way? <laughs> but actually there was a part of that experience that helped me feel confident. And like, I kind of got, I kind of got my professional mojo back, if that makes sense. It, so it was good for me in that respect, even though it was exhausting. Um, yeah, but back to the hierarchy. So priorities at the bottom, children's well-being, children's, you know, developmental milestones, children's care. Um, and then, you know, as you kind of go up the hierarchy, things like, you know, household and professional role or for, for women that aren't, um, you know, working outside of the home, maybe it's, you know, community roles and volunteerism. But there's a there's kind of a set of, you know, things that we spend most of our time on at the bottom of the hierarchy. And then you get way up to the tippy tippy top and there's self-care, self-interest, and growth. <laughs> and by growth, I think about that as learning new things, whether it's you want to learn Spanish or to play piano or you want to get your PhD uh, or, you know, professional growth. You want to start a business or you want to take over your company or you want to move from law, as a friend of mine recently did, move from being a lawyer to being a social worker, right? Whatever that growth looks like. So we kind of relegate all those things to the bottom of the to-do list. And, you know, when I started researching this and asking moms, why, why is that? Well, if you look at the stuff on the bottom, childcare, developmental milestones, household, and women in most male-female relationships anyway are still doing the majority of the household and childcare work or they're planning it. Like that stuff is never done. So it's not like it's not linear. You don't check something off and say, oh, I have food now, I have shelter now, now I can move on to learning and development. It's those things are very iterative and consuming. And then we never get to the stuff at the top. And that's like a fundamental shift in how we think about ourselves and about our time. Because if, if, if you're waiting for that magic moment when, oh, all right, I did everything for today. It's done. Now I can take care of myself. Now I can go running or take a class or, you know, um, make a healthy meal. Like that, that moment won't come like you have to take it. And you have to carve it out and you have to ruthlessly protect it. Otherwise, it will not happen. <laughs> yeah. That is such a good point. I mean, if, I'm, I feel like I've been so conditioned to to not do things that are, quote, fun. or And I consider self-care, I guess I put it in the fun bucket. Yes. And um, so that is usually the thing that gets pushed to last. And I think a lot of people feel that way. So how do you help? How have you you know, in your research, how do you help people think of it as essential versus, you, you know, your dessert <laughs> that you get after exactly. you eat your dinner? <laughs> oh, I love that analogy because that's so true. Well, you know, the most high impact way is to remind 
remind moms and through my research, I've learned there's a lot of like concrete, um, you know, there's concrete data to back it up that basically if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of your family in the way that you truly want to. Um, and that means that by not taking care of yourself, if you're not at your healthiest, if you're not at your happiest, then your caregiving responsibilities or your role as a mom and as a parent, like they're vulnerable. Like women are, there are epic levels of anxiety and depression. Um, you know, like psych- psychology can lead to physical ailments, right? There's epic levels of, you know, stress-related, um, health-related, like, hey, if you if you decide that exercise comes last or if you decide that your health comes last or you keep putting off your doctor's visit or you keep putting off, um, you know, eating the food that you need to eat or getting that medication refilled that you need to get, like, that can have serious consequences, um, and your family's not being served if you're not well. That is a very good point. So how do you, you know, to, to, do you have self-care routines that you build into your, you're an incredibly busy person. So I, I don't think I'm like a poster child for, for a really holistic meaning of self-care, but there are things that I carve out that I'm particularly, that I've become really good at. Um, and, and because I care about them the most, there are other things I'm trying to work in. So exercise for me is as much psychological as it is physical. Um, I started running like 16 years ago and I did it for stress management and just to keep myself like clear and balanced. So I think of my run as like my, my medicine, (laughs) you know, it's like, like I'm not going to become the you know, the most typist AS stressed out crazy person if I go running every day. So that, that helps me. And I've just held that as like sacred, a sacred like commitment um, for those reasons. I also really good about um, now I'm good about meditation or taking some sort of pause, usually in the morning, ideally before everybody wakes up. Um, Sometimes it's as little as five minutes. Sometimes it's as long, like if it's a weekend, it might be as long as, you know, 35 minutes, but just having reflective, quiet time um, to do meditation or even just to do free writing, like just writing things down and writing down whatever's on my mind. Um, There's a book called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron where she has the concept of morning pages and basically like write three longhand using a pen pages a day about anything and do it in the morning. And there's, there is something very cathartic about that. I'm always learning new things. I make time in my work and in my professional life with uh, the writing that I do with the research into moms and stress. I'm always learning new things and researching new things that actually makes me really happy being involved in the community, as I described earlier, that makes me really happy. So I think of that as a type of self-care. It was a long answer to your question, but yes, all of those things to me feel like self-care that I make time for. Um, I'll add what I don't make time for that I need to really get better about is sleep. 
um, and consistently getting more sleep. I was doing a really good job of that for a short period of time. Um, I've been in a very, you know, I, I have a demanding schedule in general, but when anything changes, um, I've been involved in a project at work that's been, that's had a lot of unpredictability to it. Then sleep takes a hit. And I, and that is something that I aspire to set more of a like critical boundary around. Oh, so here's one, one quick question for you on that. Cause there's so much literature out there on how, how critical sleep actually is to, so if you have a choice between running at five thirty in the morning or sleeping for another half hour, what do you pick? <laughs> I pick running. Um, but, but that's, I, and I don't think that's great. Uh, sleep is more important from a pure, I think if a scientist or a doctor were looking at it and based on my health, they would say, wow, get the extra 30 minutes of sleep, Leslie, that, that would serve you better. So I think it's just, I've made this personal commitment and pact around running, which is also very important to me and good for me in a lot of ways. Sleep, I like I have to figure out a way not to stay up much later than I should when I'm really busy. You know, as you're, you're at this really, I feel like you're just at such like a rich time of life with young kids and school and, you know, who are in school and, um, a really vibrant career and volunteer life. And, um, you know, as you, if you were talking to your younger self, whether it was that little girl playing with Barbies or, you know, another younger woman who's trying to think through, you know, career and family and all these things, what, what advice or, or message would you share? I guess at this number point? one would be maintain a creative outlet in your life, um, regardless of how much you love your career and how busy it is. I have found that by re- reintroducing creative writing, it makes me better in my work. It makes me better all around, in part because I love it and it makes me happier, but also the diversification in terms of thinking differently, solving a problem differently. I guess the second would also be maintain, there will be times in your life where you have to be more internally focused for a number of reasons, but maintain some hand or some some peace in the external world. Um, Again, community service and helping to, in some small way, improve what's going on in the world around me is important to me. I ignored it for a long time. Making space for that makes me feel better. So I would give myself that advice. Like, don't ignore that desire because if you love it and you care about it, just allocate space for it, even if it's not all the space that you would like to. I think the the third would be just the the motherhood piece, having children, especially while working, it's ginormous and it means re resetting everything, especially the rules that might have happened formally or informally with your partner, like at how things work at home how you spend your time, who does what, like that has to completely change. And I wish I had thought about that, had had more thoughtful discussions with my husband about that and like factored that in to the infrastructure that I needed to be, uh, you know, happier, healthier 
um, mom with a professional life. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing that, Leslie. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thank you. That's it for this time, but we'll be back next week for another conversation with another inspiring woman. If you could take just a minute to rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening, I'd really appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to hear these stories. The 43% is produced by me, Claudia Reuter, Cynthia Pimentel, and the whole team at Wonder Media Network. Our executive producer is Jenny Kaplan, and our music is from Martin Wisenberg. You can find The 43% wherever you listen to podcasts and on our website at the43percent.com. Thanks again for listening and have an awesome week. Before you go, I just wanted to take a moment to shout out another podcast I'm listening to called Committed. Committed just wrapped up season two with best-selling author and award-winning journalist Joe Piazza. Committed is the conversation you've always wanted to have about marriage and love, but were afraid to start. The truth is that love isn't always patient and kind. Sometimes love is messy. Sometimes love is wonderful and confusing and magical and infuriating, often in the same day. These are the extraordinary stories of ordinary couples talking about how they navigate the good, the bad, the terrifying, the wonderful, and the life-changing. If you love this American life and modern love, you'll adore Committed. It doesn't matter if you're married, divorced, single, or celibate. These stories will renew your faith in love and in other human beings. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.